Welcome to KPOV's Critical Conversations podcast, dedicated to featuring unique perspectives, challenging mundane thought, and questioning the norm. Listen at kpov.org, on YouTube, or on your favorite podcast app. Redmond isn't such a small town anymore. Our guest this morning is Keith Witkowski, Redmond City Manager. Keith oversees, well, pretty much everything in Redmond except the fire department. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of The Point. Thanks for your time, and thanks for coming all the way from Redmond. Sure, good to see you. Thank you. As usual, give the new members of our listener family the Reader's Digest version of your specific duties. What do you do? So city managers basically kind of serve as the chief executive of the company and serve at the pleasure of the city council. And so my job is to kind of set the culture, to help the director succeed, and to help the council move forward their policy agenda. And you oversee the airport? The airport, community development, police department, public works, communications, lots of things. Like I said, everything but fire. And in your spare time, are you still grooming your cat? Yeah, well, I've plucked her hair out, so there's less (laughs) grooming needed now. Uh, So the National Night Out was last night in Redmond uh, in conjunction with the police department. And typically the event is huge, the largest in the area. We were both at the Bend-Redmond Joint Council meeting. What did we miss out on? Well, yeah, it's, I began, it's a, this is, I think, I don't know, the fifth year we've done this, right? And it's yeah. a national thing. And uh, Lieutenant Peterson uh, got Redmond involved in it. So it's actually like one of the happiest nights in Redmond. Like you're out there, kids are, you know, getting to dunk. The chief of police, there's hot dogs, snow cones, it's all free, that's a big deal. Uh, Precious Bird was playing. So, you know, we get a few thousand people coming out between 6 p.m. and 8 p.m., and it really is. It's an incredible evening, and everyone's super happy. The police are out mingling and um, being real people. people. Yeah, yeah, which they are. Our which police they are, are real people. They but are. no, I know what you mean, because a lot of times you could see a police officer and automatically. There feels like some kind of barrier, particularly if you've uh, encountering them because you did something wrong. So it's just, you know, it's like a giant picnic in the park with everything free. And it's not just the Redmond Police Department, right? It's the fire department, uh, Deschutes County Sheriff. I never saw so many emergency vehicles. Yeah, you know, people have uh, hitched on to what we're doing. And um, Ben started it this year as well. So they had theirs uh, from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. last night. But ours was better. Of course. Ours is always better. Everything we do is better. Okay. So switching gears, whenever we have you on the show as a guest, I always ask for questions from our listening audience. This time we got a surprising number of questions regarding code violations, specifically individuals operating businesses, sometimes as many as four businesses, out of their homes with no permits to do so. John Roberts, uh, Deputy City Manager, is the person who oversees code violations, and he reports to you. So what can be done to manage these violations? Um, who can homeowners contact with their complaints about traffic, litter, etc.? Well, some uh, home-based businesses do have business licenses. They all should. So, and, and what you see is, first of all, let me answer your question. They can go to our website. Uh, if you kind of scroll over to code enforcement, you can submit your concerns, complaints, whatever it might be, reports there, and it'll go to our code enforcement department, and they can process it. And But what we're seeing, if you step back a little bit, is 
you mentioned how we're no longer a small town, right? And we're close to 40,000 people. And there's a lot of areas that used to have a home surrounded by a few acres. And now density is coming. And so maybe somebody had a business and um, it was going fine for decades or a decade. And then suddenly there's houses, right? And multifamily housing next to it. And those people move in and they don't like the way, you know, it's kind of been and they're not used to it and there's complaints. And so in some cases, people may be doing something that they don't have the license to do. In other cases, they do the license, but people just don't like it now that they're next to them. Gotcha. Switching gears again, you oversee the airport as one of your many duties. Lots going on out at the airport. Talk to us about new carriers and the long-awaited resumption, thank you, God, of the RDMPDX flight. He is the one that actually approved that. <laughs> so, now, the, uh, yeah, we've got Zach Bass, who runs the airport, and his team have done a phenomenal job. We work regionally to get more air service. So the Portland flight resumes in the end of November. It's on kind of a, it'll be on a five-month trial to see what the loads are like. And they intentionally picked winter because it's wintertime and the passes aren't great. So we'll get that flight back from Alaska. We've got uh, Santa Rosa with Avello Airlines. We're going to have Las Vegas starting up, which people are really excited about with Avello as well. Um, and then we're continuing to try and get some of these longer haul flights to places like Dallas uh, next year. So a lot of stuff happening at the airport, um, a lot of activity. Passenger load is up like 17% at the airport, and yet... In chatting with someone in the hotel industry last night, their vacancy rate is higher than last year. So are people just flying in and leaving Redmond? They're not staying here? Well, it's interesting. We were, you and I didn't talk before about this, but um, our hotel motel tax, which is so we get a share of like the room rate, it's up 11%. So we're not seeing a decline. I know it is mentioned in some of the media circles that Ben's seeing a little bit of a decline. Some of that is we've got the new um, Hampton Inn um, that opened six months ago, eight months ago. Finally. And it's doing really well. So we're seeing growth in Hotel Motel. And um, the flight, in terms of loads, they airlines like to see a plane 85% filled. And uh, we're getting numbers a little bit above that, which is phenomenal on average. So we're con- we, our numbers at the airport, right right before 2020, let's just say that, uh, we were close to a million people coming and going each year, and we've exceeded that. So we've bounced back strong. Mike Rogaway wrote an article in The Oregonian a week or two ago about how well Redmond's doing and where Eugene is at. So it's worth taking a look at in the probably in the business section. Uh, Yeah, I remember reading that. So what's happening with the airport improvements? Yeah, so we're uh, in the final stages of design to expand the terminal. Uh, We want to basically double the size of it. Uh, The first phase would be close to $150 million, and uh, it's going to lead to um, more carriers, right? So if you assume right now, uh, you know, six, seven parking stalls, maybe it's nine, we want to add another level onto the terminal so you'd be going out those skyways and uh, we're basically what we're doing is trying to accommodate the demand that's there right now and obviously grow to the future we're looking to try and get federal dollars for that as we get closer to 
the design being complete, it'll be easier to get some of these billions that are available in some of these bills. We're going to have a meeting with uh, Senator Wyden probably in October to talk to him about it and uh, get his assistance to secure some federal dollars for the project. What are we looking at time-wise for that? Probably 2026, 2027 in terms of getting it complete. And we've got this first phase. We have the resources to kind of move forward with that. The the total build-out cost would be closer to 250 or a little bit more. So seeing a lot of stuff going there. We're also seeing um, uh, Zach is pursuing some partnerships on the north side of the airport to kind of refresh uh, the the general aviation and the hangars and expand that out there because we're seeing a lot of demand for use of the airport, not just from commercial carriers, but private pilots as well. And fireplanes. Seeing yes. a lot of fireplanes going overhead. So staying on the airport for just a few more minutes, in 2021, Redmond Airport was declared out of compliance with federal rules due to homeless encampments on the run in the runway protection zone and stood the possibility of losing federal funding for their expansion plans. The area was to be cleared and fenced off this summer. Where are we on that project and where have those campers gone? So we are, the fence is just about ready to begin construction. Uh, it should be complete before October. Uh, probably well before October. Uh, we've built uh, the road that would go around the inside of the fence because what we do is when we build a fence, we have to patrol that every day, just like at the airport inside of it to make sure it's uh, clear and the, the perimeter's safe, et cetera. So we've been doing outreach to the campers since uh, probably April on uh, a couple times a month to find out what their needs are, find out, let them know that they're going to need to leave the area. And they're just down to literally a few, like two or three or four. And uh, we were working in conjunction uh, with the county and service providers to help get people placed who want to be placed and get services. Uh, some do, some would rather be outside. And uh, But that outreach is going really successfully. So as we mentioned earlier, last night was the Bend Redmond Joint Council meeting. It was the first one in many years. Before we get into the topics discussed, why so long since we've had a joint meeting? I think that the this city council um, has a lot in common in, in terms of the issues they're looking at at the Bend City Council. So it was just naturally time. Um, we've talked about homelessness already. They're obviously dealing with it at a different scale. Uh, you look at uh, affordable housing, you look at transportation initiatives, and you look at just kind of the role of electeds in this day and time, and there's just a lot of synergy and a lot of things in common, and they could learn from each other. So they had a great meeting. Uh, they want to meet again. Um, and so it was They actually fantastic. want to go out to dinner. Yeah, they They, they can, kept mentioning that. Yes, they, they can do that if they want to. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather focus on the work, but I understand it. <laughs> so first item, as you mentioned on the agenda, was the homelessness issue. Bring us up to date. What was discussed? Um, what's Ben doing that maybe Redmond can learn from or vice versa? Yeah. So, yeah, let's start with the vice versa. So with Redmond, uh, we've had great success partnering with the county. Uh, last week, they approved leasing us 12 acres at no cost for this is property that is just north of the Redmond Air Center, which is the fireplane kind of 
Firebase you mentioned. Um, and we're working with service providers to provide a tiny shelter village and a managed kind of RV camp on these 12 acres. And we've got money from the state uh, kind of through uh, Central Oregon Intergovernmental Council to pay for some of the infrastructure. So we'll be getting uh, 15 tiny shelters up and operating by January 10th of 2024 with kind of the managed RV camp to follow in uh, later in 2024 or early 2025. So we've had a lot of success. Uh, we're in a unique situation, a little bit more unique from Bend, where we have land just outside, you know, on the edges of the of, the, of Redmond, which I, I think people are more comfortable with, and it doesn't impact residents uh, to be able to provide the services that need to be provided and uh, give us the tools to encourage people, rather than parking on, say, streets like 17th in our industrial area, to find a different place to locate the RV and, and help our businesses as well. So with Ben, though, with, they've had a lot of success uh, in partnering with Neighbor Impact and partnering with Shepherd's House to acquire properties, to locate people into hotels, to um, pay for navigation centers, which is... What's you know, that? Best way to describe a navigation center is it's a uh, place for homeless folks to go to both stay, but also figure out resources they need to accommodate their individual needs. And uh, Eric King and the his city manager there and uh, Mayor uh, Keebler and the, the team have done a great job getting resources. They're a larger city, so they have more resources as well. So they're kind of doing things at scale or doing things at a different scale. But like you said, like everybody knows how close Bend and Redmond is. So even when you look at affordable housing, there's got to be synergies and there's what we do affects them and what they do affects us. So we have to do things together and together with the county as well. I found it interesting that Mayor Fitch called the homeless issue an emergency, both to the unhoused individuals and to businesses in the area. Explain. Yeah, so this is something that came up. There's this joint office, which I just talked about synergy and the need to work together. So there's a there's a board that has uh, Commissioner Adair and uh, Councillor Megan Perkins, Councillor Kat Swicker and others that are talking about that it, it's, we've been dealing with this for a long time, but it's re- reaching more of a flashpoint and that we've, we've got to not only make progress on these initiatives, but we've got to appeal to the governor and to the state to help them recognize, and I think they do, that not one size fits all. Portland's homeless problem in an urban setting is different than what we've got in Central Oregon, where there's, as everyone knows, a lot of sage and juniper. And so we need different permissions when it comes to land use, and we need resources when it comes to paying for operations. And we're looking to the state, I think people are looking to the county as well, to figure out ways that if the cities invest in infrastructure, that these other partners can help pay for the operation of these uh services that need to be done to help people get out of homelessness, because there's a decent percentage that are in there through no fault of their own. So, How is the homeless situation, though, affecting businesses? It, it affects businesses in terms of um, when you've got a public street outside of a business, and, and let's say you've even got that business that maybe has large vehicles that access it, and you've got a bunch of RVs that are parked there where people are living there on the public street, which we have limited ability to deal with at times, um, it it creates 
issues. It creates conflicts. It creates problems sometimes with emergency vehicles, right? There was a fire last night on a couple area, acres off of 17th Street. Uh, emergency vehicles and fire were able to get there to put out the two-acre fire, but um, you've got to have access to the right-of-ways, and you can't have this expectation that businesses uh, sh- should accept having a half dozen or a dozen or more or less RVs parked outside of their business for years. So what's happening with Oasis Village? I know they got a $975,000 grant. Where are we on the tiny houses? Yeah, so uh, Oasis in the city went in on an application for this state resources, and uh, $525,000 for utilities, $450,000 to buy a community building. So we're moving forward um, with them and with Mountain View Community Development, who also would be kind of conjoined on those 12 acres out there. And we're having a meeting tomorrow to talk about how to move forward, getting the dollars invested, hitting the deadlines, and providing services to homeless folks. Also on the agenda last night, Highway 97. God, for those of us who have to travel the stretch of road, it's a pain and actually a hazard. What are the plans to improve this stretch of road and the anticipated dates for completion of the improvements? Yeah, so we had uh, Gary Farnsworth, who runs ODOT's region out here, talked about a multi-year plan that they have to add um, center lane barriers uh, that began last year and will continue through 27-28, assuming the resources are there, and to put in these safety, center line safety barriers from Bend all the way to U Avenue in Redmond. Because he mentioned last night, right, I think there were 288 crashes in the corridor, 53% were fatalities or injuries. Um, I'm not a traffic engineer, so I can't do an armchair quarterback, but we all know that's a straight line road, which means maybe people aren't focusing. It, it's not like you have to navigate turns all the time and, and be really focused. So it's something that's been a priority to this city council, I know to the Bend City Council, to make that corridor safer. So it was good to see that ODOT is prioritizing it and moving forward with these safety improvements. Well, as per usual, the clock is ticking, but Keith, um, time is running short. In the last minute or two of our show, what thoughts would you like to leave our listeners with? Well, okay. It's, it's, no, it's interesting. I was listening to, you know, you do the news section at the beginning, and I think just having an appreciation and looking at where we live in Central Oregon and what a beautiful place this is and how while the population continues to grow, it's not actually that populated. And having people just take a breath now and then and uh, realize where we live realize that we might have our differences. We're all human beings in this, and we need each other to get along and be happy. Amen to that. Thank you for listening to KPOV's Critical Conversations podcast. To hear weekly interviews on important topics, please visit kpov.org slash critical conversations and follow KPOV High Desert Community Radio on Facebook, YouTube, and your favorite podcast app.